Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. If you're new, welcome. I like to mention my name three times right outside of the gate so nobody has any chance to misperceive who is speaking. It's a little bit of a tradition. And then we dig right into Tennessee Titans talk recording on... um, I get a little confused by the day of the week because the Titans are on an odd schedule, but it is the 27th, which as I open my calendar here very slowly, I presume is a Tuesday. Um, A very oddly shaped week uh, because they played on Saturday, Christmas Eve. Um, There was no media availability, no press conference the day after the game, thankfully, which was Christmas. I hope you had a great Christmas Um, and uh, moved forward then with a a Monday that didn't include a open piece of walkthrough um, and uh, a Tuesday that was jam packed with availability and now um, off Wednesday game Thursday. So um, a lot going on. Five game losing streak, seven and eight record, not a lot of optimism about Thursday night or um, a game that's going to be played on January 7th or 8th at Jacksonville for the AFC South crown Jaguars, obviously um, playing much better than the Titans at this stage. Um, Titans trying to manipulate things to, uh, both get healthy, physically healthy, and get healthy um, in a in a winning way um, on Thursday night against the Cowboys. Nissan Stadium sure to be loaded with Cowboys fans. The Cowboys have something to play for here if they win their final two games and the Eagles lose their final two games. The Cowboys would, in fact, be NFC East champions. Um hosting uh, at the start of the playoffs rather than going on the road. They're currently um, the fifth seed in the NFC, um, which starts out on the road. I don't believe they can be caught um, because the rest of the wild card field is very poor in the NFC. Titans, meanwhile, down to 48% chance um, with, uh, with, their um, chances to to win the division. And uh, if you look at, you know, the playoff structure right now, they're out because right now Jacksonville holds the tiebreaker with the head-to-head game. But that that's moot, really, um, because Jacksonville will have to beat them again to hold on to that. And if Jacksonville loses that finale, the Titans – Um, take over that tiebreaker. So the winner of that game um, in week 18 gets the playoff spot. Um, And I know a lot, a lot of people are looking at the Titans injury report and saying, rest everybody. This game doesn't matter, but I can't, I can't stress enough how this game does matter. And I don't expect that they're going to go out and win it, but this idea that they can afford to just go out and and lose it and that they can rest everybody and lose it to me is is silly because the idea that the titans no matter how healthy they get 
can go to Jacksonville and flip a switch and play winning football after losing six in a row, presuming that they're going to lose to Jag to the Jaguars, um, undermanned again is crazy. Um, so uh, I think that they should play most of their healthy people, including Derrick Henry, uh, at least until they get a beat on not being able to win this game. Dallas 22nd against the run. Um, now the Texans are 32nd against the run, 10 spots lower, but he ran for 126 yards and showed some capacity. Um, you know, he's got a big history against the Texans, obviously. But if the Titans have a chance to win this game, it would be, you know, running it and playing great defense. And um, Hassan Haskins is, is not going to do that. So if you don't roll Henry out there, you've got no chance to win this game. If if you don't put up some fight in this game and show an ability to uh, to do some things differently and break out of uh, at least some elements of your funk, I don't think you have a chance in Jacksonville. I don't really think they have a chance in Jacksonville anyway, but uh, I think to maximize your chance in Jacksonville, you got to do something against Dallas. Uh, you know, maybe it's not win it, but you know, it's, it's show some progress. And uh, I wrote about this earlier this week. Um, I, I wrote about it earlier this week. And I said, the meaningless game against the Cowboys is pretty meaningful for the Titans. And, uh, you know, Nick Westbrook-Akina said, it can be super helpful, build momentum, gain some confidence, and also it's more opportunities to iron out some things that may not be working or figure out some things that can work. I think it's important. I think the idea that this team is going to roll into Jacksonville off a six-game winning streak and find a way to win is ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying it's going to beat the Cowboys. But I'm saying it's got to give a damn good effort against the Cowboys to have any kind of carryover. Corey Levin, who uh, played center for for Ben Jones and is going to be the center for whatever the Titans have left, had this to say uh, much along these same lines. I mean, you don't want to drop a six straight going into the biggest game of your season. So obviously it's uh, do everything we can to beat the Cowboys. And in that, you know, hopefully that preparation helps us for the next week. So Mike Vrabels said that there is not a lot to be gained physically here. <clears throat> and this has been the story with the Titans the last two years. Um, they've used record 91 players last year right i think they're at 82 now um nobody's getting faster nobody's getting stronger right now the improvements have to come mentally Vrabel said with a better understanding better communication all of this kind of stuff and with the moving parts that they have with the with the lineup changes that they're enduring that everybody's annoyed with based on the fact that they are so hurt um, and have so many new guys still in the lineup, um, you know, including Jordan Roos on the offensive line, Corey Levin on the offensive line, maybe LaRaven Clark on the offensive line who finished up with for uh Nicholas Petit Frere. 
Um, you know, there are gains to be made in these departments that uh, can certainly help help them. Jordan Roos was a pretty good talker, and he talked about their need to get up off the mat and the gains that they can make mentally, um, which I imagine is not what most of you want to be hearing um, at this stage, but is true. Here's Jordan Roos. I mean, I think you get punched in the face a couple of times. I think uh, you definitely have to do some soul searching, but um, it's a violent sport. It's an unforgiving sport at times. And so you just have to literally come in every day, prepare like you're a starter, and give everything you got. And if you don't, you get humbled. He said there's little physical gains to, to be had at this stage of the year, and it's mostly mental. Where can you find mental stuff now? Yeah, man, I think mental stuff's everywhere. I mean, it's coming in and doing the same thing over and over again, and, and the longer you are in your career, the more times you've done that same thing. So you have to be prepared and willing to learn uh, the longer you are in the league, uh, you know, across the board. Uh, everybody always has something to learn. So the one thing out of this losing streak that I think you can kind of take heart in, I, I would, if I was rooting for this team, is that they haven't lost all of these games the same way, right? And, um, you know, I think there's some solace in that, that they've, they've found different ways to lose these games instead of this idea that uh, they keep making the same mistakes over and over. That would be super frustrating if they were doing the same things over and over again, you know, um, the Bengals, you know, the, the, the Titans uh, got out to, to, to a three, nothing lead. Um, Burks recovered Henry's fumble in the end zone and, and they were up there, what, 10, 10, three, um, and, and things shoot act missed a, missed a field goal. Um, you know, the Titans, um, didn't play great in that game, but they lost by four points. They were competitive in that game. Eagles game, you know, no turnovers, but no no wide receivers and uh and and the defense didn't couldn't couldn't stop anybody with the with the big plays with AJ Brown going crazy. You get to the Jaguars game, no sacks, you know, that no pressure on Trevor Lawrence, who uh, you know, has a, a wonderful day, 30 of 42, 368 yards, three touchdowns, 121. Point nine rating, no sacks, four giveaways. And then uh, against Houston, two crucial turnovers in the third quarter. Um, so a bit of a turnover theme there in two of these games. Willis gives up a terrible interception. Henry uh, continues fumbling, which is a bit of a theme in this. Um, and, uh, you know, can't get big enough stops at big enough times against a terrible team. You know, so there, there are threads of things, but it's not like Titans have been terrible on third down during this five games or the Titans have consistently turned the ball over or, or failed to take the ball away. They, they, they got back on the turnover train during this. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd find that a bit of a relief that they haven't all looked exactly the same.
many different reasons, many different contributing factors. Uh, to me, that's better than a repeated singular problem. Though the themes of the season are the same. The offensive line's not good. The wide receivers aren't good. Can't find a lot of explosive plays at crucial moments when things are going badly. Um, during this stretch, Henry's Henry's gotten fumbleitis a little bit. That's been pretty costly. Um, and without Tannehill, Malik Willis is not good. You know, um, the Malik Willis review from from Mike Vrabel. He's good. He's into it. He's controlled the operation. Uh, you know, Downing says uh, he's praising his ability to reset after good plays and bad. They're tiptoeing around there because they can't really praise what he's done because his stats are, are you know, pretty awful. He's uh, he's he's completing slightly over 50 percent of his passes. And uh, his his passer rating is less than half of Tannehill's. And uh, look, they, they can't do enough with him. He, it's hard for him to play winning quarterback. He's very limited. And they haven't run enough RPOs with him. Like Bettingfield in his column earlier this week, if you're not a member of paulkuharski.com, here's one of the reasons you should be. Blake Bettingfield, former scout, 19 years with the Titans, six of them as director of college scouting. Um, he broke down what the Titans did in RPOs and outside of RPOs. So the Titans on 11 plays in an RPO look, a spread out RPO look, 11 plays, 111 yards, two touchdowns. That's a 10.1 average per play. On the other 43 plays, 3.7 yards average. So why not do more? I tried to get at this with Todd Downing, and you know, I, I kind of asked if if you know there's a diminishing returns if you did a lot more. Um, but it, I didn't think he gave a very telling answer about why not do more. Here's what he said. I think you have to be wise about what tendencies may be created uh, formationally or how teams might adjust to the RPOs. Um, and, you know, with some other uh, RPO teams throughout the league, you get some evidence of how they might play them. So uh, you got to take all that into account, but it's certainly, a, a, you know, an asset of his. Uh, I don't I don't know if you're getting much from that. But if Malik Willis is playing and he's having success doing these RPOs, then you got to do more of them. I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't do, you know, 70% RPO plays. Um, you have to do enough stuff that takes advantage of what he's good at. Now, this is a gut feeling of mine. I am not reporting anything. I'm giving you a gut feeling that we're going to see Josh Dobbs in this game. I don't think Josh Dobbs is very good. Josh Dobbs has played in four or five NFL games, five, I think, in his career. And he hasn't played in one since 2020. He's on Detroit's practice squad to be had by the Titans, you know, on uh, what? 
seven, eight days ago because the league doesn't judge him to be very good. Now, I know a lot of you are Vols fans, so you're big into Josh Dobbs, and he's a terrific guy. He's a terrific story with the aeronautical engineering, super bright guy. Hell, a press corps would love for the guy to be full-time starter because of what a good talker he is. Um, I think he's played fewer snaps or or uh, thrown fewer passes than than Malik Willis in his career already. Um, but I do think, you know, he might give him a better chance to win right now because Willis has been so bad. And maybe, you know, maybe you put him out there. This is just me, again, gut feeling kind of thing. Maybe you put him out there against the Cowboys, see what you've got in Dobbs, compare it to what you've got in Willis, and give yourself a decision to make, potentially, about which way to go for the Jaguars game and what gives you a better chance for the start of your playoff run. Again, me thinking out loud, me thinking out loud. This offensive line that includes Jordan Roos and Corey Levin and maybe LaRaven Clark, you know, put forth a, a respectable effort. You break it down and, and Vrabel said that Roos was respectable and competitive, that, that Levin had some operational issues. I think he... He liked what he saw from from Clark replacing Petit Frere. Um, but this is an awful line. You know, it's not as bad as the the worst line that we saw with um under Ken Wisenhunt back in in 2014 with Will Svitek and and Chris Spencer and and uh I tweeted that bunch and and the bunch that played in Mike Vrabel's second game but it's a bad line and Micah Parsons is gonna um be trouble uh they're gonna have to really use tight ends on the edge and and Parsons is gonna be slippery and slithery and find his way through and put whoever's playing quarterback in a, in a lot of danger um so there's a another level challenge for this line given the people it's going to be trying to defend as compared to who it was going against last week. Bright spot, Jack Gibbons. Got a lot of praise. Stepped in for Zach Cunningham. This season appears to be a complete bust with this elbow injury. He did not play well when he was healthy. Um, He knows all the linebacker spots, um, and, and he's gotten praise for what he's done on kickoff return. To that, Vrabel said, we can use some other guys who kind of get that memo as well. All right, here's a guy that's great to have around, right? Um, this is the the kind of depth that the Titans lack too often. But he's not replacing David Long. He's not what Zach Cunningham's supposed to be. This is a guy who could be your fourth Inside linebacker, right? And maybe Dylan Cole is a similar kind of guy. And you want these guys on your team, but you can't make the mistake of thinking that they can start. 
Um, ultimately, they'll get you. I think Dylan Cole is an effective run-stopping inside linebacker until he wasn't, right, until he had a bad game a um, couple games ago, and then he got hurt and and is, is lost. Um, but the thing they can't do, and then I think Robinson sometimes did, is convince yourself that when these guys step in and show good things that they then become – your missed draft pick um, and that they replaced those guys and that they can be what you hope Zach Cunningham would be. Now, look, I, I think he, I'd take Gibbons or Cole over Zach Cunningham right now. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're long-term solutions. You got to really map out what they are, what they can be, what their limitations are. And it would be ideal if they could be depth pieces. It would be ideal if they could be depth pieces. Two running backs that the uh, Titans are going to see this week, Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard. Pollard has not practiced for the last couple of days. Um, the first two days of the week, one was a walkthrough, one was a practice Tuesday. So. Um, that's interesting. Tony Pollard's pretty dangerous. Here's Gibbons, speak of uh, the inside linebacker, talking about um, this tandem of um, quality running backs. Yeah, they got quite a quite a good change of pace back there with Zeke being a really physical downhill guy, and then Pollard super explosive. Uh, definitely two different types of runners you got to prepare for, and uh, definitely respect both of them a lot. They're kind of the best tandem out there in the game right now. And then Kevin Byard, we asked him if he'd seen anything this season like this duo of running backs who are both going to end up with uh, with a thousand yards in all likelihood. Uh, no, I don't think not a one-two punch like that because they're probably both going to get over a thousand rushing yards, if not close to it. Uh, Tony Pollard, he's been he's really been. I wouldn't say the better of the two or anything like that, but he's been the home run hitter, uh, especially catching the ball at the backfield, pro bowler. He's for sure going to get a 1,000 yards. And I think Zeke has been more of that downhill, strong runner, uh, short yardage situations and things like that. But uh, two elite guys that we're definitely going to have to tackle and account for. So Shane Bowen said, you know, the Cowboys are good up front. Um, Titans have their hands full with uh, with good targets too in the uh, – uh, Outside, Schultz and CeeDee Lamb and uh, and more. So it's a challenging game for the Titans. Cowboys are talented. I, I had Bayard there. I just want to mention that Bayard seems, you know, almost despondent. Um, certainly in the locker room the last couple of weeks, he's better. Uh, post-game locker room, I mean. He was better. Um, during the week, but still, you know, he's got no no answers. He's really struggling and just baffled by um, what they've been unable to do. And um, it's so disappointing to him that things are not falling into into line for this team. And he he doesn't get it. A lot of people aren't getting it. But it's it's a really hard spot for him to be in right now. Shane Bowen um, is super consistent right now. 
and he said that the Titans should have won that that Texans game on defense. And I think this is an impressive thing. The offense is scoring 14 points. You know, if you read my game column, I had a, a wife or a girlfriend of a, of a player who was, you know, on a, on a stairwell after the game saying, fuck the offense. I'll say it. Fuck the offense. Which, you know, I think the defense has to be thinking at some points. They work hard as hell not to say it, to worry about themselves, and not to, to divide the locker room. But... <laughs> The offense hasn't hasn't done its part. Defense is doing its part. But Bowen says, hey, we gave up nine points in the fourth quarter. We didn't do enough to win that game. Uh, we need to do what we can to stop the offense. You know, like hopefully we can continue to create some turnovers, create some field position. I mean, it's, that's part of the game. It's tough to play defense in this league and stop teams drive after drive if you're not able to get some turnovers and then – it's complimentary football, being able to put our offense in positions where they don't have to drive the length of the field. You know, it's hard. It's hard on offenses. We we preach that, right? Like, make them earn it. If they got to drive the field, make them earn it. Don't give them the big plays. And at some point, they're going to falter. So as much as we can get those turnovers and set up a good field position, uh, we'd like to be able to do that. Now, I'm glad he didn't say yes, because I think that's ridiculous when a defensive coordinator or defender says, you know what, we can, we can do – so much more, you know, we can go out there and if the offense isn't scoring, we can score, you know, no, he didn't say no either. And surely they'd love to, you know, force a fumble and scoop and score or uh, have a pick six or tackle Dak Prescott in the end zone. But um, uh, there's a high standard there that he's talking about where he's pissed off about nine points in the fourth quarter. But also isn't saying ridiculous things about the, the defense needing to be the offense in terms of providing the points. And that's gravy when you get that. I was thinking today in my car driving back from the facility, you know, as much work as the Titans have to do in the off season, how terrible it would be for them, how great it would be for Shane Bowen if uh, if he wound up a head coaching candidate this off season. And he certainly has uh, – Fielded at a defense uh, with all this injury attrition and stuff uh, that Vrabel deserves a lot of credit for, but certainly that Bowen deserves a lot of credit for, where uh, I, I would think he'd get a look. The other thing is, you know, there's offensive coach after offensive coach after offensive coach getting these jobs. At a certain point, you have to look to the other side of the ball. I know Chicago did it with Eberflus. Um well, you got to hire a defensive coach once in a while. Then it's his challenge, like it's been for Vrabel, who went from, uh, you know, LaFleur to Smith, good and good. The LaFleur wasn't great. Um, but then to Downing, which has been a downer. Um, but your challenge is putting together an offensive staff. And then if you have a good coordinator, you're probably going to lose him. And then you need to replace him with a good coordinator. But Shane Bowen will be a very good head coach. Question is, when does his time come? And uh, if it's coming now, that'd be a tough blow for the Titans. So that'd be an interesting thing. Two more items I wanted to hit. Um, We asked, or we had a conversation with uh, Vrabel about creativity and if it's maybe limited because of uh, Malik's inexperience and the inexperience of some of the guys, some of the best guys that he's 
thrilling to and some of the best weapons on the Titans, like Traylon Burks and Jig Aquanco. Um, and, you know, he kind of said, yeah, you know, you need Burks to run the right route and you need Chig to not drop the ball. Um, and he had a, a big drop against the Texans. But I, I circle back with that same question to Downing and he was having none of it. Here's what he said about the limits of creativity, given what he's working with. I, I make no excuses. I, I got to get guys to football and get our playmakers to football. I thought that was a good answer by him because I do think he has a little bit of an out on that one, but he was unwilling to accept it. So that's good by him on that. Last time the Titans were on uh, national television, not that Thursday night's got huge viewership numbers because uh, people have trouble finding Amazon, I think. But last time they were on national TV, it looked pretty damn good. 27-17 at Lambeau Field on Thursday night, right? Um, you had Hilliard scoring a touchdown, Henry scoring a touchdown, Hooper scoring a touchdown, Hooper scoring another touchdown. Titans throwing the big play to Burks right before they started to kneel down. Ryan Tannehill threw for 333 yards. Two touchdowns and a pick, had a passer rating of 127 yards. Derrick Henry didn't run great, but this is the game where the Packers really sold out, packing up that front kind of six across flat, um, sold out to stop Derrick Henry, 28 carries for 87 yards, and the Titans actually made them pay by connecting on some significant plays over the top. Burks with that 51-yarder. Robert Woods had a 32-yarder. Derrick Henry had a 42-yarder. Chig had a 31-yarder. Lots of nice big plays coming. Titans held Aaron Rodgers to just 227 yards despite the fact that he threw two touchdowns. The Titans looked good. They looked good. That's also the last time they won. That got them to seven and three, and it is all downhill from there. And uh, look, we know nationally, even when they're seven and three, they don't have a lot of believers. But the difference in perception about this team at seven and three versus at seven and eight is understandable. And Kevin Byard is conscious of it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure the national, well, I know the national perception isn't good at all. I don't think anybody believes that we're going to win this game. You know, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, my belief is that if we go out there and play as hard as we can and we tighten up on some of these details that's been really, you know, biting us in the behind, especially on the defense. Because, uh, like I said, I mean, looking at the game, three and out, three and out, three and out, 13 play drive, or three and out, three and out, 11 play. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we could just. Find a way to get those drives stopped. Even looking at that, for, uh, the first time they scored in Houston, you know, we had a pick. We missed a pick. That's seven points we take on the board. That may be the difference in the game. Uh, but just those type of situations, uh, we could just execute those things, then, you know, we'll have a better chance of winning. So, like I said, we're not packing this thing up at all. Uh, we still believe that we can win football games, and that's how we're going to continue to believe uh, until this thing is over. Yeah, nobody's believing in them. Nobody has any reason to believe in them. And, and Bayard understands what people are looking at and seeing and uh you know look 
I don't think anybody outside of that locker room thinks that they're winning either one of these last two games. And I think there are guys in that locker room that don't think they're winning either one of these two games. Maybe they find their footing and figure something out, but they're just depleted. They're depleted and defeated. And it's going to be awfully hard. Now don't let that get you to a place where you think that Mike Vrabel should be in trouble. I wrote a column this week that it's idiotic to think that Mike Vrabel should be in trouble. That one's unlocked. So if you're not a member, you can go read that. You should be a member, though, to read everything I write, to be part of all of the broadcasts that I do, to read Mike Herndon, who writes great analytic stuff every Wednesday, to read Blake Benningfield, who I uh, referred to earlier, and to be part of a great community we've got going that uh, includes a private Facebook page where people interact uh, sometimes offer up uh, cheap or even free tickets to games, which you might not be so excited about going to now, but uh, there are times you will be. I appreciate you listening. This has been uh, the Paul Kuharski podcast. And until I talk to you next time, I ask you, please do not block the box, but be sure to lock your locks. Mm-hmm.